Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly, Sarah, and Kim, and we're back uh, to discuss Peter Darling, which is our first of our three mythic fictions that we have picked, because uh, that is the topic for the month of January. Peter Darling is by Austin Chant and was published in 2017 by Less Than Three Press. Uh, Less Than Three Press is an M&M romance, so male-male romance, centered press that closed its doors in 2019. It was originally founded by Samantha, Megan, and Sasha. Austin Chant is, per their site, a novelist, prize-winning pie baker, and ardent tabletop gaming enthusiast. They are the author of three novels, Peter Darling, Coffee Boy, and Coraline's Heart. Caroline's Heart? Probably Caroline's Heart. Sorry about that. Uh, they live in Seattle with a frightening amount of books and a cat who was recently who was recently described as a gooey cryptid. The plot for Peter Darling is Peter returns to Neverland a little older and haunted by the details of his past. But as Neverland tries to absorb those memories and get him to stay, an unexpected source allows Peter to come to terms with who he is and who he wants to be. So, oh, our Excel document. I almost forgot. <laughs> um, Let's see here. While I'm pulling that up, what were your initial thoughts in terms of this being a mythic fiction? Kim. Why are you starting with me? So I always start with Sarah, so I thought I'd be nice. As far as this being a mythic, like, do I think it's mythic or is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Did, do you think, based off of what our last discussion was, um, that this falls as a mythic fiction? Yes. Okay. Why is that? I don't know. Listen, all I ask is for you guys to show up with some thoughts in your heads. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know Shut where up. your questions are going to go. So, you know, maybe my thoughts weren't where your question went. So my brain isn't engaging I, with it. I warned you that we were going to start this. I think she froze. There we go. Uh, we were going to start this with discussing whether or not it fit the concept of a mythic fiction as we discussed it last time, which is actually, a, which apologize to the listener, actually is releasing the same day because I had the stomach flu. But. But I, I answered your question, yes. But you didn't answer Why? Why? Elaborate. <laughs> yes, What's your thought process? Oh, why? Why do I think it's mythic fiction? Um, I don't know. Well, based off of the very broad definition we were given last time. Yeah, I would have to earlier, remember the exact words of the broad definition from last it's time. It's like, in order I mean, to... it incorporates mythic elements, Rooted right? in, rooted in, inspired by, or in some way draws from the tropes, themes, and symbolism of myth legend folklore and fairy tales i mean it draws from the i don't know if it's called a folk tale but you know a peter pan mm -hmm. got fairies mm -hmm. and um magic and I feel like i'm in school england <laughs> oh my gosh man you guys you don't make this easy sometimes. The, <laughs> I gotta regurgitate the correct words in order for the teacher to move on to the next student so that I'll be left alone. It's been a lot of years okay. since I was in school. <laughs> Sarah, 
Did you also feel like this was a mythic fiction? Sure. Can you provide a reason why? I was providing a reason why. Okay. <laughs> it draws from the established folktale, whatever you want to call it, Peter Pan. And there are fucking fairies. So there's that. So, you know what, Sarah, I'm going to tell you something. Amber knows this. We have a review on Apple. Um, we have oh, we no. have a total of two reviews on Apple. And the second one um, says that you and I sound like we don't want to be here. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not The first really one says I'm here. annoying. Yeah, the first one says that Amberly is annoying. Um, and the second one says that you and I sound like we don't want to be here. And I just want to clarify, it's not that I don't want to be here. It's It takes me a little while to start up. And when I'm slammed with a question, just like this was in the beginning, my brain, I already have a headache today. And so my, and my brain just goes blank. I just like, I don't know. Yes. It, you know, so it's not that I don't want to be here. It's not that I don't want to be answering the questions or talking about the book it's just i i don't know what to say at this exact moment give me 10 minutes and i will be rambling constantly do the two of you need me to like just keep going until you decide you want to jump in no okay because then you'll never jump in that that, (laughs) yeah that's exactly why i said no to that (laughs) okay so i do believe this is mythic fiction and I think Peter Fan falls more under like a legend or a fairy tale. Um, okay. It's just yeah. a more modern fairy tale. And I think this one, the reason why it works is we are still looking at the same themes as the original Peter Pan. We have someone who doesn't want to grow up. They are struggling with their self-identity. And they are choosing to escape to Neverland again in order to go away from who they were. Which is essentially the entire premise of the first one. You have a set of children who don't want to face reality. And so they go to Neverland and then have to make the struggle to return. Yes, Sarah. I just want to point out that, like, while I'm familiar with the concepts of Peter Pan, I don't know that I've ever, like, read the original story or whatever. And most of what I know about it is from Once Upon a Time. So, um, I hope you don't expect me to be able to reference back to the original source you didn't even watch like the Disney version of Peter Pan or Hook the show no, the movie definitely with... not Hook with the guy that has like the red and black hair who dies yeah I know that's all I know Robin Williams movie, yeah I know that he plays Peter Pan but grown up he does um, yep but then and then like, um a lost boy or something with black and, and I feel hair. bad gets shot or something i don't know i can't think of the actor's name but he also plays lucius malfoy and oh, is in lord of the rings he Isn't is Matrix too? hook yes and he's in okay. hook he is hook <laughs> um drogo you are pushing things over stop so hmm. really 
Oh. Oh, man. I'm like, and then there's the play as well. Oh, you know, I've been on the ride at Disney. <laughs> you have been on the ride with Disney. I think you and I have ridden the ride at Disney. Yeah, that's together. the only time. Just, yeah. I think we went on it once. That was yeah. it. It so. usually has an insanely long line. Like, it's usually the longest line in the entire park. Which is silly because there's like Space Mountain and stuff to go to. But why would anyone want to go on the slow ride that just meanders slightly above floor level? Because. Mm-hmm. Peter Pan is iconic. Not for all of us. Well, I can't help what you have been deprived in childhood. Yeah, well, I just want to mention that I'm, I'm not 100% well-versed. Okay, it's, it's a pretty Peter basic Pan. premise. It's it's just, you know, the, the um, bite from childhood to adulthood, not wanting to go there, not wanting it to become your parents not wanting to grow well, and, up so and it it goes a step further with uh the time frame that it's set in which is the early 1900s i believe before world war one um the, the play was in i just looked it up the, the play was okay. in 1908 the the book was in 1911 um okay so yeah so. it's it's i think it's then when is World War One? Had to be something around nineteen eighteen, I think. I think so too. But slightly before, obviously. Nineteen fourteen. Okay, that's what I thought. It is before World War One. I. I was having doubt because in this book, World War One's mentioned. Um, so I was a little confused. So, pre World War One in England. Well-off families would have the nursery. And all of the children would be in the nursery up until a particular age when girls would then be set into their own space to learn what it means to be a girl. And boys were then expected to elongate their pants and start to act like they are becoming an adult. And so part of the original Peter Pan is this idea that Wendy's on the precipice of turning into an adult or being required to leave the nursery and she doesn't want the separation from her brothers she wants to stay in the nursery she wants to stay a child she wants to still be able to play the games um and not have to start to learn what it means to be female this is the original yes okay and so that's why they end up going to Neverland is because then they'll never have to grow up. Um, and then in the process, Wendy is kind of not forced, but she starts taking on a motherly role for the Lost Boys. And she realizes she's not really not growing up in that situation um, because the Lost Boys are so desperately in need of a mother that she's now taking on the role that she's trying to avoid growing up into. Yeah, there's no escape. Yeah. So eventually they end up going back through a series of different actions. And she accepts the idea of growing up. I can't remember. Well, no options for me. So I guess just got to do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then there's this yeah. idea that Neverland doesn't really have any girls. Um, and the idea that little girls don't mind the idea of growing up 
it's more likely that little boys are going to run away or fight becoming a man. So those are very broad strokes. Um, but I would say that the current book that we read, Peter Darling, very much is looking at those concepts and then putting a contemporary modern twist on them in terms of the fact that, which, okay, right now, spoiler alert, although it happens pretty early on in the book, uh, in Peter Darling, Peter is not the original Peter. It is Wendy who wants to be a boy, not a girl. Um, so Peter is trans. And I loved that. I just like, I would like to be clear. I did love that take on Peter Pan and the idea that maybe the entire time Wendy just didn't want to be a girl. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, the interesting thing is in the plays. Yeah. Peter was always played by a female actress. Yep. Yep. Still is. I think it's, yeah. They need somebody small that they can put into the, into the scaffold, into the rigging. The harness. Um, So that they could be thrown around the stage um without you know but to be able um, to handle the level of acting that peter would require so they needed young women to play peter as opposed to an actual child who might not be able to handle the gravity of playing a character like peter pan yep so alrighty. in terms of mythic fiction i think this definitely fits the mythic fiction category so now we will continue with our usual critiquing um, which our first category is plot, which we've kind of started to touch on. What is either of yours thoughts on the plot? I was having difficulty in the beginning with the plot. Um, kind of touching back on what we've already talked about in that. Um, I kept envisioning the movie, you know, Disney, um, and I was having a hard time with Hook and Peter and um, the age difference that was in my head. Um, the fact that this in my head is very much a children's story, but we were going to take it into a sexual nature. Um, yeah, so I was, yeah, yeah, a little bit of that. I was having a hard time with it. But you still enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. By by the time we were about probably about halfway through, I finally got to the point where I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm I'm enjoying this." Okay. What about you, Sarah? So I obviously didn't have like as much in terms of like preconceived ideas about Mm -hmm. Peter Pan to like have those same issues that Kim had. Um, I don't really know why this book, I chose this book because it was already on my, you know, want to read list, Mm -hmm. um, because I was trying to clear clear out some of that list with these options, and this was the closest that fit, and I don't know why I had this on there, because I've never had any interest in, like, the Peter Pan story, uh, so in the beginning I was kind of reading it, and I was just like, you know, okay, this is happening, whatever. Um, 
but despite that so for me it was like before the halfway mark i'm not sure how far in but like fairly quickly on i did start to get invested in it and then i really did enjoy the plot like didn't want to put it down um the one thing i did keep wondering about is like how old is hook but like mm -hmm. even then i didn't really get too caught up on it Oh, actually, what I got caught up on was the very murderous nature of Peter. Like, I was like, is that, <laughs> is that normal? And then I was like, do people die if they die in Neverland? Like, do they die for real? And eventually that was answered, but much later in the book. So um, <laughs> for a while there, I was just like, damn, this is, <laughs> this is intense. So to kind of answer your question there. Peter isn't necessarily murderous, but Peter well, he came loves... off that way. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm saying in the original. She's talking about the no, other. No, no, oh. in the original, Peter isn't necessarily murderous, but Peter is heavily, heavily, heavily obsessed with the kinds of boyhood games that is like battle reenactments, you know, and. And you have to keep in mind, this is the early 1900s when the original was done. So it's been a while since it's, there's been significant wars. Um, and they're right before World War One is going to take off. And so there's still this kind of like dreamy idolization of what it means to be a soldier. What it means to, you know, fight the pirates or, you know, and... I have to I have to say it only because it's it's referenced at least in the movies. I can't remember if it's in the books of all, you know, to fight the Indians. Um, you know, it it's it's at a weird time frame where there's an idealization in the Victorian era of what it means to be good for your country. Um, so Peter Pan does like those reenactment battles. He does like being a swashbuckler against Hook and fighting him. Um, and it, his belief is it's his job to lead the Lost Boys to go do these reenactment, play these games, and then bring them back home for Wendy to take care of their wounds. Yeah, mm. I would say this is a very colonial type story, you know, uh, British colonialism and uh, mean, the original Peter Pan's. Um, mm -hmm. So that's why you're getting a lot of that aggressiveness or whatever. But yeah, Peter Pan is aggressive. He's a boy's yeah. boy. Yep, I just didn't know that going in. So yeah, it was a bit of a <laughs> surprise. <laughs> also, I suspect I know why this was on your list. And that is because when I was reading this, I was having, for the first half of it, a weird, weird... Oh, maybe like, I saw it on your updates then. Okay. I had a weird deja vu moment where I'm like, I have read this before. And 100%, I have read this before, but it wasn't on my Goodreads. And it was driving me nuts because I couldn't remember it well enough to be like, oh yeah, this is how it ends. Instead, it was more like, I don't know where this is going, but I know all of these moments. I've read all of these moments before. So I suspect I've read it probably back when we were working together. And at some point to you, when I figured out what you like to read said, Oh, you should, you should add this to your, to be read list. I think you'd really like this one. 
Maybe. So I don't know if Goodreads shows you when you added it to your want to be read, but I bet you if you go back to, it'll be back like probably six or seven years, if not longer than that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because definitely I can see where I read this. I enjoyed it and I thought this would be perfect for Sarah. And yeah, it doesn't I think, show me when I added it to that, just when I, you know, when I read it. We read it? Okay. Because I was going to say, because it'll never be solved completely. Because I probably mm-hmm. thought, oh, Sarah will love this. And I told you about it. And you're like, oh, I'll add it to my list. But I don't know Peter Pan very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me, with the plot, I was really struggling the first half of the book, about 46%, until finally I went to Kim and I was like, tell, she's like, do you want to know how it ends? I'm like, yes, because I am tired of this weird trip of I can't figure out whether I have read something similar to this, if I've read the same thing, if I'm just like having a fever dream. She told me after that I enjoyed it because I was like, okay, yep, no, now I know which one this is. Because fun fact, I've actually read like easily at least three, if not four, retellings of peter pan and i've read most two most of them gay (laughs) (laughs) so so with that said i loved the plot of this um it definitely the first half is a little bit of a struggle because you have to settle into a peter that's a little bit older than most people are used to and there's a a trauma there and a hook that's younger and a trauma that is there that forces you to really have to get into the mindset and the consideration of what it means to be trans. And particularly coming from a family and a time frame where you're not allowed to be trans. Um, but I think it handles it beautifully in this idea that this, this child, Wendy, has run away for a second time to go back to this place that she they felt safe and is trying to fall back into that safety that they had found as a younger kid and is actually struggling to fit into it it's not it's not working and it doesn't start working until peter stops fighting stops trying to be peter pan again as a younger self but instead recognizes who they are now and the changes that have occurred and stop seeing hook simply as a villain but instead as an ally um i also loved the reimagining of hook in terms of the plot and the idea that this actually does take place after the war and he too is in neverland to forget a trauma And this idea that these these daydreams become a place to be safe when you've lived a life that has hurt you. So, I love the plot. I, I don't know if you guys have more to say on the plot. Nope. Probably not. Okay. Then are we ready to rate the plot? No, I don't have the chart pulled up. Kim nodded. Kim, what's your rating? I'm gonna give it a seven. A seven? Okay. Do you want a little bit more time, Sarah? I can give mine. Give 
it an eight. An eight? Okay. I'm going to give it a nine. And that's because of only because the very beginning where I was very confused and also the recognition that somehow this plot did not stick with me years later. Um, so it can't be a perfect 10. Okay. Our main characters. I'm going to say James and Peter. Yeah. Okay. James being So, a yes, yes. Um, what, do we need to discuss Peter more? Are there other components of Peter that you guys want to discuss? Not particularly. I mean, I feel like you kind of summed him up pretty well, especially like how he was trying to just recapture the magic of Peter Pan and then had to go through the whole kind of development, um, growing up, well, you know, maturing, I guess, more so. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think you already kind of put it into words. Okay. Did you like that about Peter? I guess the big thing is, do you guys like the fact that Peter was trans? It's just a weird way to word that, but I don't have a better way to word that. It was a nice story twist. I don't want to call it a plot twist, because it, it's yeah. like, it, if it's the entire premise of the story, then it's not a plot twist, but it um, a concept Rendition. twist. Yeah, a, a a change in the story, and and it it was it it saying very true, particularly if you put it in a time frame um, when women had so few choices in life. Um, you you know you were expected to mature, get married, have kids, and be happy about it, and or it didn't matter whether you were happy about it. It's just what you were supposed to do, and um, you know, women, girls were allowed to be tomboys for a period of time, and then just not anymore. And it's just like, okay, now you gotta, now you gotta be what what we decided you're gonna be. And um, that was detrimental for a lot of people for a very long time. Yeah. Well, and I, I really also liked the fact that the idea of the entire time Peter is nothing more than a construct that. Wendy has made. And in the original, yeah, taking that idea back to the original, that this was still an escape. Both times, Peter as an escape. Um, I think there's another variation where we learn, um, I think that's Wendy Darling, actually, is what it's called, where all of the lost boys are, are children who have died. Um, they froze to death, they ran away from home. And so, Peter being the first child to die in that manner collects all the rest to give them a safe space to enjoy their childhood that they never got. Um, so to then have this be actually Wendy all along created Peter as a variation of herself. I kind of like, <laughs> I even, I'll even say, I think I like it more than the original take on Peter Pan. I was going to say, because I just feel like it gives more depth to everything and mm -hmm. just more meaning, too, in a way. Um, so, again, no attachment to the original, but I did like this concept quite a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely makes you think more. But I think the original was written as a story for the author's children. Yeah, or like kind of like a coming of age sort of thing. No, no, no. I, I think it was actually a, like a story he, he told his children. Um, and then he turned it into a play. And oh. then it got turned into a book. Um, and then the proceeds for it actually goes to a specific children's hospital. They own the rights to it. I think it's now in the public domain, but for the longest time, they they owned the rights. So anytime anyone wanted to do the play, they they had to pay this hospital, this organization for children um, in order to put on the play. So I, I think it was the author, which I mean, I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Um, That's the spirit. Well, mostly only because we've already been talking a significant amount right, of time. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to add that more time to it. Um, but so I, I think it was something he had originally done, almost in the same vein of uh, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, there's this selection of and uh, Alice in Wonderland, where there was a time frame where these authors were writing stories for the children in their lives. Some of them a little creepier than others. <laughs> so. What about James? Which I'm going to get started. I have thoughts and you all just jump in when you want to. Uh, I love the fleshing out of Captain Hook to actually be a gay Englishman who just wants to be happy again. And just wants to find a love that he previously had that he lost to war. I loved it. I loved the idea of this artist who just hurt so much that he thought it would be better to be a pirate. Yeah. I I personally had a really hard time with him. Um James, whatever you want to call him. Mm -hmm. um, he came across as creepy to me. Um, like I said, I was having a hard time letting go of this concept of, of and, and I still think there is an age disparity between these two characters that is uncomfortable for me. So to clarify, because I was thinking about this as I finished the last end of it, um, James is just right out of college. Okay, because it still puts him I, in his mid twenties. I know. And and if Wendy is just or Peter, but Wendy just getting to the you must leave the nursery stage, she's early teens. Um. No, because so at I, one point it mentioned that she was 10 and that 10 years had passed. Like, I know, but... So for me, I interpreted him as being 20 years old. Although I was thinking Hook is more of like 30s, but then he had to be in college because like his schoolmate or whatever, the one that Samuel yeah. had died in the war and that had happened. And then like right after that is when he kind of... Escaped into Neverland. Off. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and I acknowledge all of this and, and yeah. by the end of the story I get to the point where I'm okay with it that didn't make it 
any less difficult for me <laughs> to read. Um, and it still comes across as a little creepy to me. There, There is not only an age dis discrepancy, that the fact that the conversation never occurs between Hook and Peter about the fact that Peter is trans, um, that bothered me. I, I think that should have been an overt conversation that occurred at some point. Um, because it kind Hook of did. Wasn't coming. I said overt. Kind of <laughs> did and overt are two different things. Um, I, I think for the reader, it should have been spelled out um, and not been kind of there. Um, and then so I also didn't like the disparity in experience between the two. Peter was very immature, very um, unaware of their 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 selves as far as what they needed in life. And um, Hook was much more mature, had much more experience in life. I just had a trouble with it in and yeah, yeah. I, it made me not like James as a character very much. So I agree with you. The experience factor definitely at the end had me feeling like uh, I don't necessarily love where it stopped, but I could deal with it. Um in terms of the creepiness, I think he was supposed to come off as creepy at the beginning. I'm going to say I think the author did that on purpose. Because we are seeing Hook for the first half from Peter's point of view. We don't slip into Hook's or James's perspective until the latter half. And that's really yeah. when we get to learn who he is. it starts with his perspective. When he's digging up and the it's... treasure and admiring Sando's ass. Oh, yes. Like, oh, yes, God, I'm that... so bored. But that yeah, we don't really... that that was James, the Hook persona. Though. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I'm kind of trying to say is in the first half, we're getting Hook because Hook doesn't remember who James is. It's only once Peter says James that Hook remembers his own first name and starts to remember who he was. Then it starts to get less creepy. I feel like there was yeah. another point. I was, oh, the conversation. <laughs> I was going to defend the lack of overt conversation. Um, because I think it is fair in writings like this that a story that is being told primarily to and for trans individuals has the right to not require that conversation to always be had. And I think it was handled beautifully in the fact that they wake up in the world, the you know, the actual world, and Peter realizes that. James doesn't actually look quite like Hook did. And James goes, oh. And then instead of pushing Peter, just goes and gets clothes and gives Peter the clothes Peter would want to wear. And says, let's go do this. So I, I think it's nice to see someone just accept someone's difference and not require them to have to explain or discuss it but instead imply that they will figure it out along the way so that's my defense that's my yeah. soapbox <laughs> and i just want to kind of add on this fact that i was expecting them to have to go through a whole discussion 
And so when we got to the end, we didn't actually go through it. It was more of just like an, not stated, but just kind of a shown easy acceptance between the two characters. I did appreciate that, um, where we didn't have to really verbalize everything that it's, I mean, they probably will have to have a conversation at some point, but it's nice just to kind of have an easy, happy end um, without it. I liked the fact that it made it clear that in Neverland, Peter was purely Peter. Because by telling us, hey, you know, Hook looks a little different, it recognizes the fact that Peter probably physically felt completely and utterly like a boy. I think it even stated that a couple yeah. times. That, like, yeah. he was, you know, entirely biologically, as much as one has a biology in Neverland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was why it was even harder to leave Neverland. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, I liked that. I liked, and I liked the end reminding us, hey, remember Neverland wasn't wasn't their true selves, it was their desired selves. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, it, to me, it, it, it all is three things that I mentioned are all part of kind of my same reaction overall. So yeah. to me, for me, and I am an older reader, um, having that, and I, when I say overt, I don't mean, okay, we're going to have sex. And so, you know, biologically, how do you want to go about doing this? You know, are you comfortable with it? I'm not talking about that type of a conversation. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm talking <laughs> I'm talking about more of a conversation like an an overt acknowledgement um, rather than like you said, it was just kind of, oh, everyone's not quite the same here. Um, so here, here's some boys clothes for you. Because um, it, it, and it didn't even to me really emphasize the masculinity of the clothes. It, it emphasized how large the clothes were, um, which I, I guess can be converted to masculinity of the clothes. I don't know. Um, if you want to take it that route, that's fine. I, I don't know. It There are components of it, like I said, in this story that kind of creeped me out. Um, it's just like, even in the same paragraph, because I have the page up, it, it when Hook first sees Peter, mm -hmm. in one sentence refused, refers to Peter as a handsome youth, and, and then in the same paragraph refers to Peter as a man. It's like, um, that that's kind of playing with words there, writer, and I'm 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 not sure that's fair. Because that yeah. kind of muddied those lines of of where Peter actually was in, yeah. in development. So anyway, that that's yeah. you know, no, that's I fair. Could go on about it for a while. But clearly my views on it are different and I think it's uh age related. You know, no, totally fair. Us, me and you guys. All right. Do you guys want to rate the characters then? Okay. Hmm. What'd you say, I'll Sarah? I said sure. Okay. What's up, Kim? I said I'd go first. I, I know. That was my way of saying go ahead. Okay. It was a weird way to say go ahead. Anyway, seven and a half. It was seven and a half. Okay. Sarah? I would also do seven and a half. 
Okay. I'm gonna go with a nine. Because there is a little bit of creep going on towards the beginning, which is kind of weird and disorienting. Okay. Secondary characters. Which I really feel like, well, there are all of, like, the Lost Boys and stuff. I feel like the secondary characters are Tinkerbell and Ernest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> I liked using Tinkerbell to show how time is passing. Mm-hmm. And also the potential devious nature in Never- Neverland's intense. But at the same time, I don't feel like Tinkerbell was like a fully flesh character. I would agree with that. I I view Tinkerbell if you if you go into um Christ, Hero's Journey, the guide. Mm-hmm. I I viewed Tinkerbell very much as the guide and in most heroes journeys you don't really get a good guide um I like guides in heroes journeys I think they often have a lot more to say than even your main character your hero character um Mm -hmm. and so I I saw her that way and um I like the fact that she was a little manipulative um as a guide, but um, I, I I would have liked her, like you said, fleshed out more. Yeah. I did like Ernest, because Ernest is the only other person who is a real person. Mm-hmm. And I liked the idea that we have these three male characters, and each of them are using Neverland for a different reason. And Ernest had, as the name implies it, the most earnest reason for wanting to be at Neverland. He just wanted. He just wanted friends. Oh, that's it. He just wanted friends. Um, and every time him and Peter had conflicts, it was because he wanted to keep his friends safe, and he had a romantic interest in Peter. But both of them were still so new to that component in either of their identities that, like, they didn't process it. And I almost kind of would have liked to have seen the potential for Ernest to join them and it be that Peter and Ernest have a relationship. Maybe not a lasting relationship, but giving Peter that opportunity to have a proper, like, falling into his comfort zone is what it means to who he wants to be. And then James and Peter end up together in the long run. Yeah, so I think I, if we had again, had a longer story, I think we, we there would have been a relationship between Peter God, and God, I did not want that at all, so I'm glad we did not get no, that. No, no, <laughs> I'm not saying that I wanted it. I'm just saying had we had a longer story, I think we would have had a period of time where those two actually had a bit of a romance and discovered that that there they actually had a a friendship rather than a an, a true romance romance um, yeah yeah and then that's when you know peter would have realized that there was an attraction actually to his enemy um you know anyway yeah so but even like yeah i just and so again i think while i liked the potential of ernest i don't feel like ernest was fleshed out enough um I think the real struggle I had in this is the secondary characters are filling spots. Mm 
not actually adding I mean, more. The characters have to interact with someone else, but the author doesn't want to really detract or take the focus away from Peter and Hook. So it's like, I don't know. I didn't really need them to be. I didn't need Tinkerbell's life story um, or Ernest for that matter. It's like if Ernest had just appeared in the beginning and then was like written out shortly thereafter, I would have been fine with it. I just, I didn't come here for looking for them, you know? So again, we know I suffer for secondary character syndrome. I like falling in love with secondary characters. That's and so my complaint is <laughs> it is always the point and a good book should make me fall in love with those secondary characters. Um, so. What are our ratings for the secondary characters? Mine's 5.5. Yes. Okay. Sarah? 6. Mine's a 5. Loss. Plausibility. So if we just accept the whole concept of never <laughs> And fairies. I think I like to look at it kind of like there's most I don't even know if I, most is the right word, but a lot of people fall into creating alternate worlds in order to deal with their own problems and, you know, their fantasies and their, their you know, oh, I would have handled this conversation this way and that sort of thing. Um, apparently that's not and, something and, most people do. You don't think most people do that? No, apparently that's a neurodivergent trait. Whatever. I don't most believe people... that. Okay, again, I, hey, I, I... I'm sorry. None of us are mo normal people. Right, but <laughs> I, I did qualify yeah. the word most. I did most. say that no, the I word most was probably the wrong word. But a lot of people do that, and I think that makes it plausible. You know, you could you could easily just say this was entirely Wendy's imagination to help wendy deal with the fact that winnie wanted to be male rather than female um mm -hmm. and so i to me that makes it plausible you know did they actually go to netherland neverland and you know have these experiences or was this just wendy's um make-believe in order to to deal with issues doesn't matter so I got to like full on expose myself in order to then defend plausibility on this, which I don't love. But yes, I think it's 100. I know because being honest, uh, I do feel that this is 100 percent plausible, particularly the idea that multiple people can share in the same like. Conceptual world together, and that's because as a preteen, I did hang out with slightly older kids. And we created a whole vampires, werewolf, like just existence among ourselves. And we, you know, fell into it full force, still playing out those like childhood games without like quite playing them the same way we did as a child. Um, so, yeah, it just it worked for me. Mm -hmm. Was it an awkward time? Hell yes. Did I scare the adults around me? Hell yes. <laughs> Did I have to deal with the fallout of that? Hell yes. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
What about you, Sarah? What are your feelings? Yeah, I think it's plausible, like Kim said, as a lot of people do, you know? Or like just as an escapism sort of coping mechanism. It's like if you can't be who you, you know, who you should be in your life, it's like, well, then kind of projecting yourself into a world where you can have the body that you want and or the adventures that you want and all that um and then you know inevitably realizing that to really live you do have to kind of move forward or leave that place and kind of adapt as i don't know but um neverland is like a place to explore and escape to it totally makes sense again in that regard, a magical place that people can fly or sail to. <laughs> yeah. But Okay. Any other thoughts on plausibility? No. No. Okay. Uh are we going with tens across the board? No, no, I want to go about eight and a half. Okay. I mean, Sarah? Yes, it's it's plausible, but it's still a fake world yeah yeah i mean Sarah? i was gonna go with like an eight okay i'm gonna go with a 10 the ending i both love and don't love the ending i thought it was sweet it's sweet and, and it's more like the literal ending is I was listening to it and it just stops. And it's like, thank you for listening to. And I was like, wait, it's not, it's not like a stop. It just like stops. And which people can't see my hand motions. One motion is like a slow descent and the other one's just a snap. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know what I expected the ending to be. I just like, I don't know. There's something about that closing sentence. I'm trying to remember even what the closing sentence is to it warrant. Is, his mouth was softer in this world, absent the tang of rum and salt, but something of the ocean still swept over Peter when they kissed. That's the, that's the final sentence. I don't know. It's just like, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I'm not in love with it. Did you guys have that same feeling or no? Nope. I, I thought, thought it was sweet. a sweet ending. And yeah, okay. I didn't. I didn't need the. Oh my god, Birch. The physicality to come into it, and I'm not saying that you were expecting, yeah, you know, a, a sex scene to follow, but I didn't. I didn't need it explained any further. It. It was all very apparent what was going to happen from there. Yeah, I mean, like, I would have liked more information about their adventures in the real world, but then it would have just, like, gone on forever. So I felt that it yeah, was a really good place just to just kind of end the book and a good kind of, like, sentence to end it on. Like, you know, showing that I'm... it had changed from Neverland, but it was still that their elements remained. 
I think the only thing I was maybe a little bit disappointed with the ending is is they got to kind of fall into this this magical wood someplace where they you know that it's remote from any place so they don't actually have to live in the real world um that was a little yeah well if you had like a real apartment he would have lost it because he'd been gone for like years exactly 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 but yeah you know i i I think i think they're you know the desire was help the stories what's that the desire was hope, maybe not so practical. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's you know with any with any book you know they have to end at some point. Um, is components of this that's like in in the real world they're going to have to address the reality rather than just coming out of this this make believe world and then going to go on living in the real world as they set up their lives in the make-believe world. So that, that was a little, I could have used more on that, but again, stories would go on forever. Cause that's just life. Yep. Okay. Quit focusing on the cats. I'm sorry. Murphy walked up and laid down over the top of Daenerys and is now licking my hand. Like he's not just standing on her. And she's anyway. just laying there taking it because she just wants to be in my lap. <laughs> anyway, the so the ending. What are your guys' ratings on the ending then? Give it an eight. An eight? Okay. No, Kim? go seven and a half. You're really into the halves today. Yeah, well, because. When you fall into things are like, oh, it's so good. If you're looking at the chart thing, I'm like, yeah, but it wasn't. So I'm going to go halfway. Okay. <laughs> oh, my foot. Mur- Murph, I-, I need to put myself there. You can't lay there and lick the water. Um, I give it a five. It's not the strongest point to me in the entire book. Uh, next is mechanics. I think in terms of mechanics, like nothing overt stood out to me other than maybe the pacing. Um, but it it feels like it being published from a small press. There's just a level of cleanness to it that I think could have come from a bigger press. A little bit more time, a little, there's just like little details, like the youth man reference and stuff, stuff that could have used another set of eyes on it just to be like oh hey let's let's adjust the wording here let's think through the mechanics here um so i think the mechanics aren't as solid as it could have been it's still well written it's just not not supreme i guys agree agree, disagree i was gonna i was gonna because i was thinking to myself as you were talking and and i was going to do the, the you know the the ambiguity with the age difference and all of that. I was going to put that under style um, mm-hmm. and go more with the pacing because the beginning was was harder to work your way through. And then, then I, and I don't know what, at one point, I keep saying halfway, everything's halfway to me. Um, because About 46%. Yeah, 
I was like, okay, okay, I'm comfortable with these two characters now. And it, it was hard to get to that comfortable stage for me. Um, so, yeah, I would agree with what you said. <laughs> Sarah? So, for me, mechanics-wise, I don't actually know if this would fall under mechanics or style because I don't know, really. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and <laughs> I know we could go over the definition again. I still don't really know which one to put yeah, it under. So, I'll just put it here. This, the pacing and how it was written, it really read like a fanfic for me and like a fun one. So once I got into it, I was just having a blast. Like, it was easy to read. Um, again, okay. the first, I don't remember how much it was because I didn't have percentages to work with. And it was definitely before the halfway mark. It was like maybe a quarter of the way in is when it clicked okay. for me and I started reading it. But yeah, I just... I would try to set it down because technically I was supposed to be working at the time, but somehow <laughs> five minutes later, it would be back in my hand and I would be reading it again. Um, and yeah, so that's how I blew through the book in like a day and a half rather than over the week as planned so that I would have a better memory of it by the time we had to uh, discuss it. So I'm about to throw Kim under the bus only because the way you described that. Kim earlier was talking about how tactile of a reader you are and that she wished that we could like express that to oh, this is throwing me under the listeners. The bus. This is throwing Sarah under the bus. Well, no, 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 because this was your observation of Sarah. Okay. And just now when you were like, <laughs> I would set it down and then I would pick it back up and it would like magically make its way back into your hand. I could completely and utterly visualize how that looked, mostly because I've worked with you where you would have a book sitting on your on your desk. Um, and now you're not in a workspace, you work from home and like, I can just imagine you, you'd pick it up and you would have just like opened it up to smell it, but you would have this opened book it up really where your bookmark really good smell too, let me just tell you. But you would have, oh no, I opened it up where my bookmark is and he would be like, oh yeah, that's right. That's where I left off. And you would just start reading and then you would pause and you'd kind of like look at your computer screen and then you'd lift it up and you'd smell it and you'd stroke the pages and your eyes would just skim a little bit more. And then, oh, well, you know, I've gotten this far. I might as well just put the bookmark into the next page. And like, I can just imagine this entire slow process throughout the day where you're just like, no, 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 I'm going to set it down. I'm going to get back to work. Oh, but it smells good. I'm just going to get a smell and like, <laughs> just like. How it just kept accidentally showing up in your hands so you could do the entire so, process get page by page. <laughs> so I'll say that um, on the train ride. I never knew reading could be a physical activity. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> what I was me, doing during the train ride. You just, every page was touched. That's how you read a book. You have to flip through the pages. No, no, turn no, by no. Themselves. Sarah, you weren't turning the pages. You would, you would. Sarah, you I like know. stroke books? Yes. I like the textures. And, you and you'll, no, this is, and, this is praise. Please, please, yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. It was yours. amazing to watch. <laughs> I spent more time watching you read. Then I spent reading because I was so amazed. I've never seen anybody ever do this. And it was, I'm like, this is an, an activity, not when I read, I sit in a room and it's generally quiet and my books in front of me. And I can understand now why you can't do eBooks. Because or audio books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause there's no, 
the screens are smooth. You know, there, there's, there's not a tactile experience with reading. Um, and I, and you use all of your senses. You, you, well, except for maybe, maybe not hearing. taste. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Have you licked a book before? Sarah, do you Tell like the books? Truth. No, no taste and no hearing, unless you count hearing. In no, but the sound of the pages uh, sometimes is oh, so yeah. I was going to okay. say, I know for a fact, Sarah does engage hearing because if you pay close enough attention, she'll be reading a page, but she'll collect a portion of the pages she's about to go through and she'll brush her thumb across them so that she gets that. Yeah, no, it was awesome. It was awesome to watch. I will I'm say also, every. Uh, no, I will no, say Sarah. having known Sarah, I when I read a physical book, it has started to become more of a tactile process for me. Um, and it's it is more enjoyable at times to read a book for the the physical sound sensory experience it can be of reading a physical book. Yeah, no, it was cool to watch. It was really cool. I was like, wow, I, you know, this, this reading is different for Sarah than it is for me. And that's, and it was cool. I, I just assumed everyone just kind of sat and just, you know, held open a book and you read the page and you turn the page and you go and the story's being told and you're, you're engaging that, but you're, you're doing the story and the, the physical aspects of it. It was really cool. Anyway, sorry. What were you going to say, Sarah? Oh, I was just going to add in terms of like hearing the the plastic covers on library books, the crackle they have is really good. And then also <laughs> the spine on some of the books make a cracking noise, which is nice, but those books don't last long because then I just keep activating that cracking <laughs> by breaking the spine, um, which is why I can't Crack in the glue. do paperbacks, or at least I try to do hard, you know, keep hardbacks because I will destroyed paperbacks um and also if i read on my computer um i guess this is probably imitating it or trying to imitate it because i do it without thinking about it but i will just like obsessively highlight and like click not what i'm reading just like on the page somewhere like my hand will be doing it and i didn't even realize it because one time someone was like trying to read something on the same screen as me and they're like why are you highlighting it and i was like <laughs> Oh my god, I didn't even realize I do that. <laughs> I just That's have awesome. to, I don't know, I just have to engage with it as much as possible, I guess. Honestly, there so are times cool. where I'm like, it's so sad you will not do social media because I would love to do a series of like, how to read like Sarah and like, show people a different way to read. Because I think yeah. a lot more people would enjoy reading if they read like you did. <laughs> I think it would um, help them focus. I think a lot of people yeah. have a hard time focusing when they're reading because their body becomes bored. And and you keep your body from be, becoming bored because you're touching and you're smelling and you're listening and you're 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 you know, hearing it in your head and, and so yeah, you you're engaging almost all of the senses and and uh it's very cool. Yeah. And I, I can't imitate it. it well enough to like do myself doing it because like there's just something so comfortable well, in the it, way you do it at this point it, it comfortable is a great way to do it i it was clear to me as i was watching you that you had no idea 
that I was noticing what you were doing. It's such an innate thing. I would thing have definitely stopped do. if I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I wasn't, and I, the entire ta- train trip, I'm like, if I say something, she will, she'll either stop reading or she'll, she'll prevent herself from doing this. And I didn't want to, to stop that <laughs> mainly because I was, I was fascinated. Um, but also because I didn't want to, I didn't want to change your reading experience. So I was just yeah. a lot of time sitting there faking reading my own story as, <laughs> as I was engaging in what you were doing next to me. It was very, very cool. Um, like I said, I've never seen anybody do that. It was, it was amazing. And, uh, like I I think a lot of people would enjoy reading if they could do that. It was just like, did you know Sarah does this? I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, she's like, I thought she just smelled the books. She's like, I thought she smelled them like once and that was it or maybe twice. And I'm like, no, no, you practically smell every page. This one might be different. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I'm like, and she was, she was touching the pages, right? You, did you notice it? She's like, yeah, she strokes the pages. So yeah, no, I was like, yeah, no, Sarah does these things. I'm like, but you don't tell Sarah she does these things. Although we're telling you now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because you, you have an experience. And it's almost just as fun to watch you read something as it is to read it. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to mechanics. What do you guys rate mechanics? I don't even remember what we said about mechanics. Um, I, okay. Seven. I give it a six, seven. Okay. Sarah. I'd give it a nine. Like I said, I had fun. Okay. There should just be a category of like, does the book smell good? Um, <laughs> if, maybe we can include that as bonus point, right? <laughs> okay, next is predictability. And uh, I fully 100% don't think it's fair for me to rate this. Because I had read it before and I didn't realize it. And so it was driving me nuts. I don't have an honest reaction to the predictability. So what are you going to do? Give it a zero? No, I'm going to look at what you guys scored and probably average between the two. Okay, Kim, one of us has to give it a zero and one of us has to give it a ten. Oh. You give it the ten, I'll give it the zero. <laughs> I thought I thought it was I thought it was very predictable and um, I was in a, a bad little way. Dis- What's that? Yeah, I was going to say I was a little disappointed in how predictable it was, but I don't expect this. Th- this has got to be a young adult book. It, it, um, so, you know, when it comes to young adult readers, I don't expect the predictability to be as, as, as difficult. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take on predictability. Sarah. Um, I mean, I kept reading it because I kind of wanted to see what would happen, but you know, with the, sense that you know what is going to happen you just kind of want to see it play out so i would say that yes it's predictable but not in like a way that bothered me like it didn't impact or make the experience negative at all it was just it's like this makes sense i'm sure we're gonna get to here but let's see how it goes and then it did okay so, what are you guys rating it? I would give it an eight. Okay. I was going to go with seven. Okay, 7.5 it is then. <laughs> <laughs> Point five. 
emotional reaction. Again, I, I don't. I'm going to take the average of your two because, again, I was having a very weird experience. And so my emotional reaction isn't organic to the first time I read it and not a fair reaction in this situation because I was having a hard time at the beginning. Um, so I'm going to take the average of your guys' scores. I'm just going to okay. end with with um, I was smiling at the end of it. And that's that's okay. that's that's all I needed as far as an emotional reaction. I, I already expressed my difficulties that I had with it, but I was smiling yeah. at the end. So. Sarah? Uh, yeah, no, this this was a delight for me. I had a lot of fun reading it, and I enjoyed Peter and James's journey and all that. So, yeah, I, uh, and it wasn't just like passively like, oh, yeah, that was a pretty good book. It was like, I am having a good time, and I enjoyed this experience. Cool. All righty, then what do you rate it? I'd give it a 10 for me. I didn't cry, but, you know, I don't have that rule. Um, I'll go with an 8. All right, I guess I'll give it a 9. Readability. For me, it was very readable. Like I said, I, uh, I mean, it's also easy to read. It's not yeah. complicated concepts, but uh, yeah, no, I found it extremely easy to read. Once my brain and I stopped fighting, it was easy to read. <laughs> but that was a me thing, not an it thing. It's easy to read. Yeah, I would say it's easy to read. Okay. So ratings. I I'm going to give it a nine. I'll give it a it's ten. not necessarily the easiest thing I've read, but it was easy. 10 okay I mean, if Kim? i'm going on this chart here i have to give it an eight because it says did it really blow you away i don't think the readability of this was a, a you know blow away but yeah okay so eight and then finally style okay i will do the start this one i i would be curious to see what this author i know they've written other books i'd be curious to see how this concept translated into different stories, different takes. Um, I believe they themselves are trans or non-binary. Oh, they so have like, like a, I just think he, because he uses he on his Goodreads profile. Um, it, his well, picture he uses, is with the trans flag. They use a they uh, on their website. That's why uh, I've been using they. Uh, <laughs> so, but Either way, I think there is an organic understanding of the concept that they were talking about. Um, and I think they did a wonderful job of providing a reader with the chance to see a trans author and a trans character and a trans mindset. Um, and when I think of it in comparison to other authors that we have read that are trans and have written things or are non-binary and have written things, there is a style and a voice there that I think continues to improve the representation in that community. So I liked their style. I don't know if that helped either of you, but. Like I said earlier, I, I'm throwing the, the ambiguity with the age um, 
differences into style and I wasn't as keen on it as um y'all were. So Okay. Y'all, I just Sarah? look very southern and I'm not even southern. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, actually like y'all all is also now a northwesterner thing i know so sorry go ahead sarah interrupting me like that I just to say rude. that y'all is also northwestern no <laughs> <laughs> um style well i mean i like the style because like i said it felt like a fanfic and it's the kind of fanfic like style that I have a lot of fun reading and enjoy reading. So, yeah, I liked it and uh, easy to read. And um, it's easy to read and it's kind of simple, but there's also like pretty good depth in it in how the author shows what's going on without explicitly having to always state everything out or actually write like a moral lesson into the book, which is something I hate when authors do. So I'm just having a lot of fun playing with these sleeves because they make my hands look small. Um, <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> so yeah, that's my thoughts on style. I liked it. So what's your rating? <laughs> you were not prepared for that. Your hands distracted you. <laughs> I had put the chart down because I was looking at Goodreads. I had pulled the chart back up. Okay. Um, and the one thing is that it's not the most distinct style because, like I said, I've come across very similar styles elsewhere. Um, okay. But I would still give this an 8.5, I think. Okay. Kim? 5.5. 5.5? The age thing really frustrated kim mm -hmm. and i, I give it an eight to just not care about age things in books i mean unless unless it's really fucked up like an eight-year-old child and like a 45-year-old man unless it's pedophilia like it's all but... right <laughs> i am not even going to touch that with a hundred foot pole okay so sarah Gave it the highest score with 83 points. Kim gave it the lowest score with 71.5 points. And I think I am just about smack dab in the middle of that with 77.5 points. Weird, because you were giving more points than I was at one point. Oh, God, we used the word points too much in those sentences. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that puts it at 232 points in total. I actually haven't read the book. Sort. No, that's not what I wanted. Well, system collapse was that like two hundred and like ninety something? It was almost perfect. Should have been perfect. I think Amber took it down. No, I didn't give it perfect scores on everything. I think I uh, system collapse was two hundred and ninety. You did. Yes, you absolutely did, because at the very start, you just said 10 for everything, pretty much. And then yeah, it, well, no, no. Yeah, Kim gave it 100. No, I know, but I mean, like, she's, I don't know that she literally said 10s for everything at the start. No, she she did. made some reference to that. Yeah. And then kept that promise 
So to give you an idea, System Collapse was at 290. Warrior Girl on Earth was 272. The Marrow Thieves was at 258.5. Peter Darling is actually in fifth place at 232, which is interesting because it beat out the Sunbearer Trials, which is another trans story, um, at 225.2. But I didn't like that I one like as much. Sunbearer Trials better than this. Yeah, no, Sarah, you gave Sunbearer Trials a 68. Kim gave it a 69. I gave it an 88. Yeah, I mean, so. that one certainly is more original in a lot of ways, but I just could not get past the whole, I really don't care about these game show books. Not game show, but you know. Well, meanwhile, I'm oh, sorry, Danny. Yeah, I'm so excited because the sequel comes out this year and I will be making you guys read it at some point somehow. It's fine. I don't have a problem so, with that. I'll read it. So. It's I'm... not. What's that book that'll be coming out at some point? I mean, other than Iron Flame, the third book um, in there are like so December. Many books you could be referencing. No, 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 no. Electo. 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 I knew it was Electo. Electo. I couldn't remember the I name. I was of like, Electo. Yeah. it's some Greek name. I'm going to get there eventually if I think about it hard enough. Are we still, like, are you planning on making Kim read that one? Kim? And read then that just one? excluding me. Please. No, we will all three be reading that one. I have since claimed there was worse. I so. mean, there is. There was Iron Flame, but I mean, that doesn't like torture and worse torture doesn't make the first torture <laughs> more fun to go through. It just is. You know. Listen, you've gotten this far. You got to finish the story. I've... She's like, I don't care how it ends. I really don't care how it ends. Well, it's once like, we I've get in off recording, books in. So, well, once we get off this book, I'm gonna talk to you about something because, yeah. Anyway, oh, great. I'm terrified. <laughs> All right then. Any other thoughts? Nope. Nope. But for okay. the record, I am here voluntarily. So, <laughs> thank you for clarifying. <laughs> you are here voluntarily. <laughs> Our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman. Wait, can I? I want to use that as a clip. Can I use that as a clip on social media? <laughs> what do you mean? Just like, Your I just want to cut say. it and just like voice, I am here voluntarily. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as long as it doesn't have your face. No, it nope. never have your face. Okay, okay and I'm just, I have to make sure. All right. I know what I'll do is I'll take a picture of you and put a giant little smiley face over your face. <laughs> but all you can see is my face so all you'll really see but, you is know, what you need to do is put a, you know do a black black with backlighting so you don't actually yeah. see your face and then she says i'm oh. here voluntarily so it looks like she's a hostage yeah, like, i don't know like... no i'm gonna use the smiley face where it's just the eyes no mouth <laughs> oh. over a picture of sarah and it's gonna be like i'm here voluntarily <laughs> <laughs> okay anyways <laughs> all right our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and it's called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Book Pile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. 
You can support us on bookshop.org. Our link is available via our social media. You can also email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. 